I have a guest with me today uh, who I got to know on the set of Fox News's uh, Modern Warriors. And uh, he's such a good guy, a fellow Midwesterner, a uh, fellow uh, crime fighter. And uh, so I want you all to meet Brian Camden. Brian, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I'll... Uh, you, uh, I want to talk a little bit. You have kind of a fascinating um, background, and uh, and I want people to know where you came from, and then how you came to make the decision to serve your community and become a police officer. So let's let's get to know you. Yeah. So in the simplest way, I was a poor kid from East Central Indiana. Uh, came from blue collar family, factory working parents, and I kind of fell in with a bad crowd as a teenager and was making a lot of mistakes and I didn't know where I was going to go. Thought about joining the military and pretty much just too big of a coward to ever leave. And um, like I said, I was just hanging out with the wrong crowd and I kind of got wrapped up in something that I really wasn't involved in. And I got hauled downtown by a, by a midnight shift officer that was just tired of my crap. And uh, I'm sitting there being processed by the juvenile officers that had came in for day shift. And um, one of them wanted to just send me away to juvie. He said, yeah, I'm done with him. Send him away. And I'm, you know, I'm like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And uh the other officer, the one I had mentioned in the Modern Warriors interview, he said, you know, I, I really think he's telling the truth. I really don't think he's involved. And that was the shining light of turn your life around, quit hanging out with these turds and do something. So from that point forward, I was like, you know, that that officer was just so kind, so fair. And he believed in me. I can do that. I could be that person for people like me. So from that point forward, I, I stayed out of trouble. I graduated high school. I started looking into my future, what my life's going to be like. And I, I really set my sights on the Dayton Police Department at about age 20 and put myself through. Uh, in Ohio, you can pay um, a school or an academy to put you through the Ohio Peace Officer Training Course. And that's what I did. I paid out of pocket to get certified and began applying to police departments. Uh, I did an internship with a small department, uh, the, the, uh, the old schoolhouse in the middle of Cornfield that I mentioned on Modern Warriors, and uh, kind of cut my teeth there and, and got a feel for it. And really, it was the Initially, it was just the love of solving problems, just being able to be presented with a problem, which would be most of the times um, a crime or uh, a, an unresolved family dynamic and having the resources and the knowledge and the information to solve that problem. And then I just built on it from there. I went to another smaller department that was more like a step up, had a higher population, a totally different demographic of people and enjoyed my time there, but I still wanted to get to that major league. We were on the same dispatch as the city of Dayton. So I would click over and listen to their calls. I'd read all their calls that were getting dispatched. And I was like, 
I want to, I want to be there. I want to do that. So finally, after a couple of years, I finally got called up to the big leagues and had to redo the academy, which was much more intense, much more strenuous, much more involved Monday through Friday, eight to five business style academy. And uh, we started every day with colors and ended with folding a flag. And it was just, it was every, it was great. It's wonderful. And then I got assigned to uh, the west side of the city and there's no other place like it on earth. It's just such a unique area with unique problems. It's got all the big city problems, but it's not a, a large land area. So it was, uh, it was, it was an experience for sure. And I, I finally felt like I made it. I'm, I'm here. I'm doing it. And, and that uh, all I did started. That for five years. Yeah, that all started basically because of you know we hear a lot of talk about community policing. We need more community policing. What that officer did for you when you were a teenager, an errant teenager, um, that's real community policing, isn't it? Absolutely. That was having a heart, showing compassion, showing that not everything is to a T by the book, that we can make decisions in the, in the situation and apply them as we see fit. And it almost took a chance. He would have been perfectly justified to keep his mouth shut and let his partner do everything. But he, he stood up and he said, you know, I, I think he's telling the truth. I think we're making a mistake by sending him off. And we're going to, I think we should send him home. Let's call his mom. And my mom came and got me and I went home. And that was just one of many. I had had interactions with police officers before. And just a, you know, you, when you grow up on the poor side of town, there's a lot of cops around. And uh, unfortunately, the police were called to my my family home several times as, as a child for you know domestic issues and whatnot and you know they were never beating my dad up in the front lawn and dragging him off and they they, they came they solved the problem and they left without a harsh resolution that impacted our family and that's what i liked about it it's like every i mean i had there was one particular officer who was always a jerk every time i saw him and all I said was, I don't want to be like that guy. I don't want to be like him. I want to be like these other officers that solve problems, that leave good impressions on the people that they deal with. That's who I want to be. And that's right. what so I then, kind of made my goal. So there you find yourself in Dayton, Ohio. And, and I want people who aren't familiar with Ohio and with Dayton um, you said it perfectly. It's a, it's a, it's an urban area. It's a city, and it's just not a huge landmass. So here you are, a kid from Indiana, and now all of a sudden, uh, you're a city cop in uh, in a it, what is really kind of a can very much be a tough city. What was that like in the beginning? You go from a kid in Indiana, put yourself through the police academy, which I think is really notable because you had to pay to do that. And, uh, and then you serve a couple of smaller jurisdictions. And now here you are after a second police academy, um, you're, you're on the mean streets of Dayton, Ohio. Right, so I was 
kind of fortunate in that the second police department that I worked for was several miles outside of the Dayton jurisdiction. So, and the jail was in Dayton. So I would, I would always take the long way back from the jail just to kind of explore a little bit and, and get an idea. So I had the geographic know-how of the, of the West side of Dayton down because I just kind of explore a little bit and I went to college there. So I had an idea of what to expect, but there's nothing like 2 a.m. on a Saturday night in the west side of Dayton. You, you can't experience that until you're there and you're, you're hearing gunshots go off. You're hearing madness, chaos everywhere. You pull into one of these housing projects and you don't know what you're going to expect. And that was that was a bit of a culture shock. It really was. I, I, but it, it, again, it was one of the greatest adrenaline dumps. And when you have a good crew that you work with, it's everything. It's great. So fast forward to uh, May of 2020, and um, you know you're you're a police officer, but you're also a husband and a dad. And uh, in May of 2020, things got bad for the whole profession. We had the death of George Floyd. We had just a media onslaught of, of pushing the false narrative that American law enforcement was somehow hunting down unarmed black men to assassinate. And, uh, um, you know, we had already dealt with um, the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, Missouri, and worked through that. But then we find ourselves in May and on into June of 2020, um, just dealing with absolute lies about our profession. And, uh, and you're dealing with people in a, a community, largely a community of color. What was that like? Well, it's absolute gross negligence on the media to allow that lie to just run rampant because I started seeing it in the schools, in the school age children that they're afraid or they shifted even from fear to being confrontational. And how could, how could you be worried that police officers are hunting down um, these hunting down any class of people, but you're confrontational with them. There's no fear there. That's pure propaganda. And they're feeding it to children. They're feeding it to teenagers. One of the most influential groups of people are teenagers, and they're just feeding it. They're telling them that your life doesn't matter because these cops want to kill you. So we have to we have to start a movement that says your life matters. Why would you ever tell a teenager or a child that their life doesn't matter on a lie? On a lie, because all these police officers that I, at least the ones I worked with, they never stopped and said, what's the race of the person on this call? Oh yeah, there's a shooting coming out. Hold on, hold the phone. What's the race of the person? They never said that. They went screaming a hundred miles an hour to that call to try First off, save the victim's life, preserve a crime scene so that there can be prosecution to get this violent person that's committing this crime off the streets so more people in that community 
which is a largely black community, are safer. I really want to, I want you to emphasize that because then as we move forward into 2020, the whole defund the police movement, um, they want to take money out of the police department budget so there are less cops and less resources to do what you guys were doing, which was, try, you know, trying to save people's lives. Talk about that. Yeah, I would love to see the, the successful numbers of where that actually happened because a few pundits will say, defund the police. Uh, a few politicians uh, from our friends from the North, from Minneapolis, that say, uh, maybe even St. Louis, they say defund the police for thee, but not for me, because they have armed security following them everywhere they go. And they're even being called up saying, yeah, defund the police. And they're like, well, you have protection. Well, I need it, but you don't. You don't need it. Right, my police. life matters, but not yours. Yeah, and, and how, how that even is not immediately shut down baffles me because a lot of these communities, a lot of them, they see the numbers and they're like, wow, that's a lot of money going to public safety. But then they kind of realize what they're getting with that money. And then they're like, oh, that's fine. I'm actually okay with that because that's going to keep me safe. The homeowners, they don't want their property value to tank because there's crime and, and, and mayhem every night. The, by and large, the community, they want the police. They want their problem solved because the call numbers didn't decrease. They're still calling for the police. They're still calling complaints, not crime in progress, but quality of life complaints. So-and-so's got five junk cars parked in front of their house and there's nowhere for us to park. These people are dumping their trash everywhere in our alley and it's blown into my yard. Those people are calling the police for quality of life things. This group of people sit on this corner and drink beer all day and get rowdy. Who are you calling for that? You're calling law enforcement. And a good police officer shows up and handles that situation in a way that's beneficial for everyone involved. When you start taking money away from the departments, they don't, they can't pay as much. They can't hire as many quality of officer goes down. That's the end result of defund the police is you have a less quality police officer out there trying to answer your calls or maybe not even trying because they don't care anymore because they're not, they're not making nothing because they don't have the budget or they have the good heart. They have the goodwill but they're poorly trained because there's no money for training. Right. And that becomes frustrating. So here you are a cop on the street and that frustration, um, you had to, you had to make some tough decisions, didn't you? Yeah, it was, it was one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make because as I said, I, I poured everything into this career. I put it all out there. I, I spent a lot of money to put myself through the police Academy to make myself a better applicant. And I'm pouring my heart and soul into a community and I'm just struggling to continue to justify that sacrifice. When I'm having issues in my home life, with my family, I'm missing my children. I'm missing baseball games, gymnastics meets. When I'm missing all of these things, you know, they always say like, oh, you're going to miss holidays. You're going to miss this. 
I was almost okay with that because a holiday can be, we can celebrate Thanksgiving on Friday if we really have to, you know, you can't reschedule that baseball game. You can't reschedule that event that your child is in. Those don't happen. You don't get do-overs. At first, you know, my kids were always on board. They're like, daddy's catching bad guys. He's protecting us. He's protecting people. And they were okay with it. And I could justify it too, because I, we were making a difference. We were seeing results. But as, as time goes on and you're exposed to the end results of some of these policies and some of this propaganda and the results aren't happening, but you're still making the sacrifice over and over and over again. And it starts taking that toll on you on so many different levels. You, as, as, a, as a young father, as a young husband, I had to make that decision. What is best? Because if I make it 20, 20 more years and I, and I get that golden nugget of a pension, who am I going to be spending that time with? Is, is my family going to be there? Or are they going to write me off? And I just, family's everything to me. And I had to make that decision to walk away from my guys, my group of, my group of guys and my friends and uh, all this time, effort and sacrifice that I poured into this career. And I had to, I had to make that decision. And, and it was Yeah. I mean, you made one of the toughest decisions anybody ever has to make because, you know, as you so eloquently demonstrated this police works up, it's a passion, it's a calling, it's a mission. It's not just a job that we do to get a paycheck. Of course, we get a paycheck. You were very vocal about it. And all of a sudden, you get a call from Pete Hegseth's uh, producer from Fox News. What was that like? Well, a little backstory on that is I, I got smacked down because some, so I don't, I don't want to use an expletive, but some uh, unscrupulous person was sending my tweets to uh, command staff. And uh, I'm not going to tiptoe around the fact that I speak my mind and uh, I don't, I don't care to curry favor with those who who don't want people to speak their mind. I'm going to say how I feel. I'm going to try to do it eloquently and professionally. And uh, I had had a run in with a supervisor that was wrong, was absolutely wrong. And it was a new supervisor. And we had been working for great, great sergeants and they got reassigned. So I, I just mentioned how it, it's painful to lose a good supervisor and their replacement is do as I say, not as I do. I'm right, you're wrong, boss. And uh, some rat sent that up the chain and I'm walking in to interview for the SWAT team and they're like, hold, hold on one second. And I just get crapped on for speaking my mind. And when I finally was free from that bondage, I let it out there. You know, spineless leaders, corrupt politicians, people who only want to use the police as a stepping stone to further their careers, their agendas, their goals. It's driving people away. It is driving people away. And it, uh, it I, I guess that caught the eye of uh, someone who wanted to hear more about what I had to say. So I, 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 you know, I work for a company now that is conservative, uh, Christian-based, 
and they said you speak your mind we don't care go for it so i i went on a fox fox and friends first and at you know three o'clock in the morning and got to do that experience and i thought that was it i thought that was great like wow that's 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 wonderful and then the next that later that day i was getting a, a call from modern warrior saying hey come on out and then my my company says have at it before i wouldn't even have had that opportunity because you can't speak to the media right without permission you, you, right. you have to read from a script it's got to be pre-approved through command staff hr city management the mayor whoever and i, I had free will to go and, and and say what i wanted to say i'm saying what i want to say now and that was that was a great experience i were running out of time but i just want to tell people that Brian and myself, Lieutenant Randy Sutton and Superintendent Gary McCarthy all uh, spent an hour sitting down with Pete Hegseth from uh, Fox News and Fox Nation uh, in the first ever Modern Warriors Law Enforcement Edition. And uh, that is available on uh, Fox Nation. I encourage everybody to, uh, to watch it. I encourage everybody to watch this young man. Brian, where can people find you? Uh, I'm still on Twitter at BC5OH. I'm sure there's plenty of nameless and faceless accounts that want to come tell me how awful I am. So, Social media is a way for us to meet each other, learn from each other, things like that. And, uh, and I encourage uh, everybody to, to follow you, learn more about your story. And if you'd like more information about the National Police Association, you can find us on Twitter and visit us at nationalpolice.org. Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.